we should read our Bibles. As men digging for buried treasure. When the Most High gave to the nations their inheritance, when he divided mankind, he fixed the borders of peoples according to the number of the sons of God. In those days, and for some time after, giant Nephilites lived on the earth. For whenever the sons of God had intercourse with women, they gave birth to children who became the heroes and famous warriors of ancient times. Take no part in the fruitless deeds of darkness, but yet expose them. Though a thousand fall at your side, though ten thousand are dying around you, these evils will not touch you. Life's a garden, man. You gotta dig it. Hello fellow treasure hunters, welcome to the excavation site. I'm Justin, alongside me we got Ben, Stephen, and Chad. We'll be your guides on this excursion. Hope you brought your shovel and your compass, because we got the map. Let's dig. What's going on, all my local guys and gals and long distance pals? We're back. Yes, we are. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Yeah poet and didn't know it right? yeah, that, was, that was good that was lovely just uh me and you today yep what are we talking about today we're talking about uh spiritual warfare but uh, back in biblical times we're going to build up from here um kind of give us some historical context and then we'll move here in the near future at doing uh, more about present day spiritual warfare and seeing how that's being played out in our world right now but for today we're going to talk about um Moses, the uh, plagues in Egypt, and uh, the parting of the Red Sea, and uh, kind of uh, in a continuum there, and it it will be, it will be mind blowing. So basically, we have a a battle of the gods. I would say. Do I need to get my Jimmy? Was it Buffett or not Jimmy Buffett? Buffer voice <laughs> going on. I- Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, <laughs> in this corner, Yahweh. And in this corner, the lowercase g gods. Lowercase. Lowercase. Gods. Ooh, that was good. <laughs> well, I guess we'll start off with prayer and we'll get to rolling. Father, we thank you for today. Thank you for the many blessings. Uh, we pray that uh, you give us discernment and uh, all of our listeners uh, get something out of this and uh, see that uh, all these things that's going on around us, if we just have eyes to see and know that uh, we're on the winning side and the whole purpose of these studies is to, to know the enemy around us. Therefore, if we know our enemy, we can better combat them. Uh, we pray for all the flood victims in Kentucky once again that you bless and keep them and uh, pray everything just... Uh, rolls out the way you want it to and uh bless the words coming out of our mouth in jesus name amen amen well Stephen, what you got you've been digging deep this week yeah this one this one if if i was gonna put something second place to giants i think this would probably be right there oh yeah <laughs> i love this you know i think we've learned you know it's one of those stories so you always have those sunday school stories you know you heard about david and goliath you know you heard about jericho and the walls falling down there's you know we obviously the birth death and resurrection of jesus are all the the sunday school stories but the 10 plagues were in there and that's one of those stories we learned as a little kid and and the context that we got it in i don't believe it was 100 percent correct i think that there's a lot there that that people leave on the table and um and really seeing the connection and how amazing God, uh, uh, how amazing he works and, and how things are going on and how he can use one thing to to uh, basically check all the boxes at the same time. You know what I mean? He can hit so many different, um, I guess I don't even know how to put that, but he, it's so amazing how he works because he makes everything just kind of mesh together and and everything kind of flows and all of a sudden you look back and go holy cow he did wow that just it blows me away and i honestly think he done that for people like us that dig through and search it's it's like finding an easter egg dots. it's finding that easter egg yeah yeah it is very cool and that's one thing growing up you hear all these stories and once you do read you know like michael heiser's unseen realm or you know being exposed to you know our podcast and the whole supernatural lens you see it in a whole new light 
you know, and it's just it's like reading the stories all over again for the first time. Oh yeah, oh it it it, it opens it up, and you you take things out of it that you wouldn't have taken out before. There's a lot of little things that I learned this week that I had never known just by taking the time to read it biblically. And then, you know, we look at some of the, um, the, uh, the other scholars that have gone through this and pulled out information and they have their theories and their ideas, but they've pulled out stuff that I, I just, I, I miss. And I look back in the Bible and it's like, it's right there. Oh my gosh. It just makes sense. So I think it's important to put all that, that material together to kind of, to kind of show everything that we can um, to make sure that we're getting everything out of this that God intends for us to pull from it. And not one person's got it all figured out. It aggravates me when I bring up an idea that somebody else has came up with, and then somebody's like, oh, well, they also believe this. That's, That's laughable. And it's like you can take pieces from different people and, and put together your own ideas. You know, not one person's got it all figured out. I can take a little piece from Mike Kaiser, a little piece from, from Derek Gilbert, you know, a little piece from Timothy Alberino and all these guys and, and create my own mosaic picture. You know, nobody, not one man is omnipresent and has it all figured out. And that's the whole, the point of this. So yeah, the more subject matter and people you pull in, the, the more complete picture you're gonna have. I, I 100% agree because there's a lot of people out there a lot smarter than me. And, um, and, and that's <laughs> the thing. And, and me and you still won't even agree on everything. We're no. going to have different opinions and different ideas. But the whole point is, are you, are you taking your theory from a biblical source? Is that where it's coming from? If that is what, what you're reading is, 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 and, and you can formulate an idea and you can back it up with Scripture, I'm willing to listen to you. But, you know, we have to... It's based in the Bible. I mean, that's what it comes from. It's based in the Bible. We use a lot of those extra biblical texts to, um, because some of those things. You, they coincide. They coincide. And it just they strengthens. They don't contradict. No. It strengthens the Bible's case. And that's the, that's where we, you know, and we've hit that again. I mean, we've hit the book of Enoch, um, like a, just over and over again. And, uh, and we're going to take a deep dive in that in the future, too. We've, we've given it a we whooping. We have to. We gave that book a whooping <laughs> or whipping. I don't whipping. remember. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, um, but yeah, that, and, you know, and we'll have to look at, go further into Jasher and further into, um, Book of Jubilees and things of that too. Some of those extra biblical sources that give us some other historical context that help us understand the Bible better as well. But today we're talking about to Egypt, brother. We're talking to Egypt. Denial is more than a river in Egypt. It sure is. I tell you, you know, in all honesty, that, that is the one place in the world I'd love to travel more than any, anywhere else would be Egypt, just because you can see biblical history. Oh, you yeah. can touch biblical history. Can you imagine Between you know, a there, cruise yes. to the Mediterranean, just pit stop at all those places, all the history there? I, really, I, Egypt and Turkey, but those would probably be my two favorite places. There's so much historical, uh, like biblical things in Turkey, and so much of what you read in uh but Paul and his missions and whatnot took place in that area. And it, there's just so much there. But um, Maybe yeah. we could be like Derek and Sharon Gilbert one day. We can have our own little guided tours. I, nerd I, out. I just want to go on one. I just want to go. I just want to go on. No, it would be that uh, Egypt for me, just because you can really physically touch it. You can be there. You can see it. That would be probably my favorite place to go. Um, anyway, let's get yeah, let's a little let's bit dig. in. Let's dig a little bit. Let's Let's look into, uh, first of all, Egypt was a, a pretty complex place when it came to their, their deities. They had over 2,000 uh, named deities in the e- uh, Egyptian pantheon, which is, I mean, you think about it, that's pretty crazy. But um, we got to talk about the, the way the Egyptian people believed that the gods helped them was what they call Heka. And this was the manifestation of magic, which should be understood to be neutral laws, which today would be considered supernatural, but to the Egyptians were simply how the world and universe functioned. The gods, lowercase g, provided people with all good gifts, but it was Heka, or magic, which allowed them to do so. And that's, that's a quote out of, I, I'll name some sources here, maybe at the end we'll go over a couple things, because there's a few really good places to look into this, but... Um, really important to understand that magic 
That's how they believed that stuff happened. That's how they believed the gods were working. They would see these magical things. And that's how we talk about that all the time, about how the Israelites fell away. You know, it blows us away that when they're in the, you know, in the, during the Exodus, they fall away from God. It, it seems like every 10 seconds, I mean, granted it's chapter to chapter, but it's because they're they seeing... They saw things. They saw things, other miraculous things from these lowercase g gods. They could do things. They're divine beings. They could do things. These are not just, uh, uh, like, what did you say earlier? It's, they're not just idols. They're not just wood and stone. You know, no. that's why he told them when he pulled them out of Egypt, his very first commandment, you will put no other gods before me. I am a jealous God. Then right after that, he differentiated the two. He said, then make unto you no graven image. Exactly. You know, so yeah, he drew a distinction between the two. I mean, it was his first two things he told us. A hundred percent. hundred percent. But let's, I want to kind of also talk about here, you know, we, we've learned, and this is what we talk about with the Sunday school stuff. We learned a little bit about how the plagues happened, what was, and the, and the whole point was to, to free the people from Egypt. And that was the end goal. That was the end game. I mean, that's what God was building up to. But we have to think about, these were not plagues against just Pharaoh. These weren't plagues against uh, uh, just, um, definitely not against the Egyptian people. It was partly to show the Egyptian people who the real God was. But this was directly, directly focused on those Egyptian deities, the gods. And I'm going to take a couple of verses here, and we're going to jump around and and, and, and just give you a couple, I, uh, I guess, background to back that up biblically but if we go to exodus 12 12 it says i will execute judgment against all the lowercase g gods of egypt all the what lowercase g gods okay that was terrible <laughs> um exodus fifteen eleven, moses states who among the gods is like you O yahweh i just knowing so they understood that there were other divine beings moses understood there were other divine beings but there is only one true god and that's the point that they're one making creator and that's why these plagues that's a big part of why these plagues happened was to show who the one true god was um, exodus eighteen ten through 11 after moses told jethro his father-in-law Jethro said, Praise the Lord, for he has rescued you from the Egyptians and from Pharaoh. Yes, he has rescued Israel from the powerful hand of Egypt. I know now that the Lord is greater than all other gods. Just once again, Jethro knew these were divine beings. And if you go back, you go into Numbers 33, it says, For Yahweh had brought judgment against their gods. That's what we're talking about. And we go back, like I said, it says he will execute judgment against all the gods of Egypt. So this is, there is some, uh, God has a few jabs in here at, at certain deities, and we'll, and we'll kind of, we're going to strike on that kind of going forward. But it's just important to understand that this is spiritual warfare. This is God against, what, what did you call it? The battle of the gods. Battle of the gods. So I think it's super important that we understand who, where this battle actually is who are the the participants in this battle and we're going to kind of go through those i think um a little bit uh, a little bit at a time and and um we'll start off first of all if we go i'm going to jump back and actually i told you wrong i'm going to start at 417 exodus 417 it says and take your shepherd's staff with you and use it to perform the miraculous signs I have shown you. So Moses went back to his home to Jethro and fa his father-in-law says, please let me return with my relatives in Egypt. Moses said, I don't even know if they are still alive. Go in peace, Jethro replied. Before Moses left Midian, the Lord said to him, return to Egypt for all those who wanted to kill you have died. So Moses took his wife and his sons and put them on a donkey and headed back to the land of Egypt. In his hand, he carried the staff of God. So I think it's pretty important because that staff, that staff is how God enabled him to, to work so many of those miracles. I mean, it, 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 and it blatantly says that right in the Bible, that this is the staff of God. I think that's a pretty cool, pretty um, important distinction to see there. 
but uh and so not being one of the first i think it's important to strike on too that um if we go to exodus 7 i want to say it's 11 7 11 well we'll go to 7 10 first so Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did what the Lord had commanded them. Aaron threw down his staff before Pharaoh and his officials, and it became a serpent. Then Pharaoh called his own wise men and sorcerers, and these Egyptian magicians did the same thing with their magic. They threw down their staffs, which also became serpents. And now this is, this is pre-plague. No plagues have happened yet. This was the initial... Uh, this was the way in. This is why well, this is the way well, they in. They square but, up on each other and yeah. smack each other a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Flex on one another a little bit, but it, it was it was it was uh, the first time that Moses to Pharaoh showed a demonstration of God's power. First time, but we see, and this is where I think this is so important. This is where people miss the mark. Is that, um, and I'm not saying everybody. But I'm saying that, you know, from that Sunday school ideology that you saw that Pharaoh's magicians were able to use their magic to do the exact same thing. So it's, it's, another, it's another podcast for another time talking about the um, talking about where uh, where that magic comes from. But the fact is, we have to understand that Pharaoh's magicians were able to call on somebody to be able to use their power to make this stuff happen that didn't come from god that had to come from something divine that had to come from something that had the ability to to make those things happen and that's where it's a huge differentiation so you can understand it's god versus god only one of those is a lowercase g i always like to differentiate there we have to understand that when we're talking about god you know the great i am yahweh that that He's, he is the one and only, but these other divine beings have powers, and we're seeing that right there initially with that, and I think that's so important that you see that Pharaoh's magicians were, were uh, able to do that. Yeah, and, and before we get into that, like we talked about that, that verse in uh, Matthew chapter 12, verse 29, you know, it said, you know, you can't enter a strong man's house and plunder his house unless you first bind, you bind the strong man then you may plunder his house so it's like yeah right here they had some power they were showing off but when when god throws down the gauntlet and throws out all these judgment on all these other gods you know they're you know powerless or in the very least you know very insignificant compared to because you know my opinion matthew twelve twenty nine happened he binded the strong man and plundered his house Oh, yes. I think that you brought that up just before we started this. Yeah. And that it was one of those ones that kind of like, whoa. Yeah. Kind of makes you think. It kind of takes it to a whole another depth. You know what I mean? But let's jump on to the. So after this, obviously, we go into um, the plagues. And I think it's important, first of all, that we understand. We all know there was 10 plagues. But um, 10 being a symbolic number, 10, 10 is another number, kind of like 70. That means complete. Completion, yes. So when it says you had 10 plagues you were completely plagued yes. like it was it was perfection <laughs> perfection it was annihilation it was everything so very important to understand that that um it there's so much symbolism in the in the numerology of the bible and i think it's important that we always put that there too because at that time people would have understood this number meant this they understood that this this meant hey God was showing definitively he was God. Mm-hmm. And and those 10 plagues were part of that, showing a complete plaguing of Egypt. So, And we've discussed, too, like uh, in uh, Genesis, uh, you know, the Adam and Eve and the Nakash, you know, mm-hmm. the serpent. You know, that word used in Hebrew, it was Nakash. And, uh, you know, we've done dissected that. You can go back and check that episode out. But here... Uh, the word used for snake in the the original text was tannin. You know, the Hebrew word used here, tannin, elsewhere in the Old Testament indicates a great sea serpent. It says, as in Genesis, this passage is intended to communicate a superiority 
of the Creator God over all the created beings, including primordial chaos. Dun dun dun. Dun dun dun. <laughs> all right. So let's let's jump in here. First first plague. We're gonna go down. We'll go right in order and kind of talk a little bit about what this means. It said, you know, we talked about that verse. It says God is going to put judgment on all the gods of Egypt. So first plague, we go to Exodus 7, and we're going to look at uh, verse 19. It said, Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron, take your staff and raise your hand over the waters of Egypt, all its rivers, canals, ponds, and all its reservoirs. Turn all the water into blood. Everywhere in Egypt the water will turn to blood, even the water stored in wooden bowls and stone pots. So Moses and Aaron did as the Lord had commanded. And as Pharaoh and all his officials watched, Aaron raised his staff and struck the water of the Nile. Suddenly the whole river turned to blood. I mean, first of all, this is really important. And actually it goes on further to say that they had to... um, to I'm trying to remember where that was, but they had to go and actually dig along the sides, the banks of the Nile to let that water seep through. So they had drinkable water because it was like that for seven days. You don't, you can't live without water for seven days. So they had to go through and, and dig holes under in the ground next to the, the, the Nile to let water seep through that would be clean enough to drinkable. drink. So I think that's kind of interesting. But once again, once again, um, important to see that guess what the magicians could do that too they could turn the water to blood so once again you're seeing the power of these lowercase g gods they're able to do these miraculous things i think it's just it blows me away but it shows you like i said before that the, that the hebrews uh, not just hebrews but the the israelites the um the all the people of that time understood that there was other deities, other th- people, other lowercase g gods that could do amazing things. And that's what pulled them away so many times, time and time again. And I think God is so much more judicial in his uh, uh, use of his power, where these guys are always, you know, the, these fallen angels. They wanted to be like God. They wanted people to worship them. So they were quick to show, hey, look what I can do. Yeah. Look, bow down and worship me, where God's a little more like... Biding my time, and then I'm going to really show you who's boss. Well, the thing is, too, it's like, you know, I, I hate to use this reference. Well, actually, I don't. I'll take that back. <laughs> you know how you got some deadbeat parents, you know, oh, I'm a good father. I'm a good father. You know, they're just constantly just saying that. Well, it's like, well, if you are, you don't really need to tell everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, the big, strong guy that struts around the gym, you know, with his chest puffed out. but And then here's the guy that's actually working out and bench pressing 300 pounds he don't have to go around and tell everybody he's strong we see it mm-hmm. they're confident when when you are something you just are and that's god god's not you know self-conscious and has to go around flexing and showing everybody how big and strong and powerful he is he he knows he's the supreme these other lowercase g gods you know they they, they got the napoleon complex yeah they got something to prove so jumping into that, exactly what you're saying, when you look at this, there's um, multiple gods that we could say. Because there's, first of all, we talked, I guess we didn't go into that too far yet, but so many of these Egyptian gods, first of all, there was, like I said, over 2,000 named deities. And some of them are regional. They'd be in certain parts of Egypt. Some of them were um, kind of the, um, in the overall pantheon, like the, they had I think, nine major gods that they would, that they would worship, but the overall, the, there was so many deities, and each one controlled something. They might even have three different deities just for uh, how I don't know how to how to wash your feet. I mean, it's it's just ridiculous. They had a deity for everything. So, um, but if we look at the the when we talk about the Nile, was looked at as the lifeblood of Egypt, right? He literally turned it to blood. That was, that was, oh, I mean, that, that was so important to them that everything revolved around the Nile. So doing that right away, which I, I think is pretty intense, doing that right away shows just ultimate power. God showing that, hey, look, 
look at what I can do. But if you look, there's multiple gods, and it's uh, Kunum was the guardian of the river source. Hapi, or Happy, I don't know how you pronounce that, spirit of the Nile. Osiris, the Nile was his bloodstream. Once again, God being a little ironic by turning his bloodstream into actual blood, which I think is God sitting up there. And, and honestly, I, I do think God has a sense of humor. That's Otherwise, what I was he about wouldn't to say. You can't things. tell me he doesn't have a sense of humor. And I can just see him up on the throne giggling after he did that, like, oh, <laughs> take that, Osiris. But I think that's, I mean, it's important to see that every one of these, these plagues is God. Like I said, God was bringing judgment against all the gods of Egypt. So you can see directly, just those are just three of them. We could throw in a whole bunch more, but those are pretty three, pretty big parts of their um, pantheon that you're seeing a direct um, link to as far as being judged during this plague. Uh, our, our next plague, moving on, is the frogs. So Exodus 8, 5 The Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron, raise the staff of your hand over the river, canals, and ponds of Egypt. Bring up frogs all over the land. So Aaron raised up his hand over the waters of Egypt, and frogs frogs came up and covered the whole land. But the magicians were able to do the same thing with their magic. They too caused frogs to come up on the land of Egypt. First of all, and something that just kind of hit me is not only is God plaguing them, but their own guys plagued them. Like, that's awful. Like, why they're doing this? I mean, they're just doing it to prove a point. Yeah, let's double down. But yeah, like, <laughs> let's, let's make it worse on our own people. If I was an Egyptian, you I'd smash be, my foot. I can smash it too. Watch. Yeah, I don't. It's just why would, if you're the people of Egypt, why would you have been like, no, no, no? We got enough frogs. We don't need more. Do you think it's, they would have used their power to get rid of the frogs? It would make more sense if they could. They probably would have. It would make a lot more sense. But um, the, uh, there, there's a couple of gods in relation to this as well when we talk about this. And it was uh, Happy, again, was the spirit of the Nile, was one of the, the frog goddess of Egypt. And Heket, who was uh, related to the fertility as well. So, yeah, because I remember in school they talked about, you know, when the Nile would flood it would bring up the silt, the fresh soil, and spread it all over mm-hmm. the land. Yeah. So that, that was kind of like their natural fertilizer. So therefore, by turning it to blood, they not only killed the fish and, you know, the, the drinking water, they also messed with, you know, the, the fields. The, the fields, yeah, the fertility yeah. of the fields. That's huge. And, and actually, I think it's kind of funny, but I don't know why you'd want a haquette that had a... Uh, a frog ahead deity. I think it's pretty interesting that so many of these deities, if you look back through Egypt and, and, you know, you talk about the Anunnaki and some stuff we'll get into later, but how many different ones were, oh, ahead of a dog or ahead of a frog? Kind of sounds like some genetic mutations or something, like potentially. Like they sinned against the beast of the fields and uh, birds of the air? Well, that sounds familiar. It sounds like Enoch might have said something about that. that. Book of Giants as well. Pretty interesting stuff. But, um... Once again, I can get down that rabbit hole anytime anybody wants to talk about it. I love it. But we'll keep going on this on this train for right now. Next plague that we go through here. And I think we're going through these, and I'm going through them kind of quick. Cause well, it's a lot of ground to cover. It, it is, but there is. We're just, I'm just showing you a few of the gods that are. The that, parts that you don't know. I mean, we all know the plagues. We've read them. We do. But we're showing you this side that you haven't seen. We, yeah, Exactly. So, plague number three was the, uh, we're going to go to 816 here. 816. The Nats. The Nats. I think it's pronounced Gunat, isn't it? Isn't that a Gunat? I'm Southern. <laughs> we got a culture difference here. <laughs> Nats. The Nats. So the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron, raise your staff and strike the ground. The dust will turn into swarms of gnats throughout the land of Egypt. So Moses and Aaron did as the Lord had commanded them. And when Aaron raised his hand and struck the ground with his staff, gnats infested the entire land, covering the Egyptians and their animals. All the dust of the land of Egypt turned to gnats. Pharaoh's magicians tried to do the same thing with their secret arts, but this time they failed. And the gnats covered everyone, people and animals alike. This, And actually, I think it's important to look at verse 19 too. The magicians said to Pharaoh, 
this is the finger of God. And I think that, I mean, it's profound when the magicians have already, right, we're on, we're on lice, we're giving up because we couldn't do it. We're giving up. God's doing it. That's, I mean, it's, that's the first, you know, you see the first victory, I guess. I mean, though God, you know, he's winning each time he puts a plague there, but you're seeing the first kind of tangible victory where even the, the, the ma- uh, magicians are like, this is the finger of God. Yeah. This is huge. You can see that we're not doing this. It's coming from him. Our gods are not able to do this. So with the battle of the gods, first two rounds was kind of a, a, a draw, a I draw. guess you could say. That's a good way of putting it. Third round, Yahweh. Yeah, I'd say he got a few good strikes in a nice uppercut or something of that nature. I think I like I like the way you're saying that. But uh, we talk about um, I, it's pronounced a couple different ways. You see Geb or Seb a couple times. I've seen it that way on uh, looking at some of this um, material. But he was the god of the earth, so kind of interesting and i've also seen in at multiple places where they they interchange this with gnats or lice and and it's funny to think it says it infested everybody right but the egyptian priests would shave their entire body they would be hairless and yet those lice or gnats if it was lice were able to cover their entire body too which lice need hair usually i mean yeah. if you see that that's where they they reside if you ever had the misery of going through that um but it just shows that even those, that's when the, magi- the Egyptian uh, magicians are like, nope, <laughs> I'm out. So on to the next one here uh, was the livestock dying. Um, this is the first time, and I think this is really important. This is the first time where God separates the Egyptian and the Israelites, right? The Egyptians and the Israelites had experienced the first four plagues together, or first three plagues together, sorry. They, they had all been through that together. At that fourth plague, God said that... Well, the fourth plague was uh, I'm sorry. flies. What did I say? Yeah, we skipped the flies. We skipped the flies. No, I, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, you're right. I skipped the... I'm sorry. We're going back to the fourth. I apologize. Yeah, and that's time for your catchphrase. Let's back it up here. <laughs> um, <laughs> I did that on purpose. <laughs> Uh, no, so the flies, sorry. I'm jumping around. My notes are a jumble here. I got to get better handwriting. Um, we go back to the flies. God makes a distinction between the Egyptian and the Israelites during that flies. But so the flies come, but we're going to, let's, let's read that little section. That's, uh, what do I have written down here? 824. And the magicians just give up at this point. They don't even try to duplicate anymore after this. I think we only hear from them one more time, but we'll see. We'll see. I'll, I'll tell you here. I think it's during the boils we hear about them. But um, if we go here and we look at 24, it says, And the Lord did just as he had said. A thick swarm of flies filled Pharaoh's palace and the houses of his officials. The whole land of Egypt was thrown into chaos by the flies. And I think... I don't know if you ever seen cows out there in the summer in the field covered with flies. They are miserable. Oh yeah. They're whacking at their, you know, using their tail, whacking at all those flies. They're, they're miserable all the time. I can't imagine having flies all over you. One of them bothers you enough, but think about that. That's just nuts. But, uh, uh, was the fly God of Egypt, a direct, I mean, who would have a fly God? That just doesn't <laughs> make any sense. The God, I'm, we're going to have a God of the mosquitoes. Yeah. So we can curse them every day, but no, it yeah. just doesn't. It doesn't make any sense. But to me, I guess, you know, it's a different time. It's a different, um, it, a different theory. There was a god behind everything for them, and they well, had. It's almost like you know, I, I went to Japan with my my work, and I had to stay over there for about four months, and uh, I talked to them about their religion and what their beliefs were and stuff. And one of their things was uh, they're really big into Shinto or Shintoism. And it's kind of like that. They have a, a spirit of everything. The spirit of the air, the spirit of the mountain, the spirit of, you know, just millions of them. If you actually sit down and count it, they have a, a spirit for everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, and that's a lot of religions are like that if you get past, and especially back if you go back, look at the Greeks, look at the Romans. I mean, you got the whole pantheon, and each god is responsible for something different. You know, there's a god of thunder, there's a god, you know. You know, Zeus always depicted with the lightning bolt, but they always had different gods for different things. You know, it's kind of 
kind of amazing to think that maybe there's just one God that can do it all. But no, they weren't powerful enough to do it all. They could only they could only control one thing or another. Yeah. Which I think that's an important point to make too. And before you uh, go to the the disease on the cattle, uh, this same uh, chapter, chapter eight. But uh, I just want to draw attention to uh, verse 27 before you move on because uh, this ties into uh, the Red Sea crossing that we'll get into here eventually. But just keep this in the back of your minds. At verse 27, it says. We must, this is uh, uh, Moses talking to Pharaoh, okay? He says, We must go three days' journey into the wilderness and sacrifice to the Lord our God, as he tells us. And he denies them, of course, but keep keep that in your, your brains for <laughs> later. He, he requests to go three days' journey into the wilderness, which is the desert, and sacrifice to the Lord our God, as he tells us. That, that That's a... Bookmark that one. Yeah, breadcrumb it's, it's for coming, later. It's coming back. That's another little Easter egg there. Um, jumping on to the the next one with the livestock die, the disease on cattle. We're going to go to um, Exodus 9, 6. And the Lord did, did just as he had said, which the Lord always does, doesn't he? Oh, yeah. I mean, he always does just as he said. I don't even know why they had to put that in there because we all know that. The next morning, all the livestock of the Egyptians died, but the Israelites didn't lose a single animal. The Pharaoh sent his officials to investigate, and they discovered that the Israelites had not lost a single animal. But even so, the Pharaoh's heart remained stubborn, and he still refused to let the people go. And it's, you know, I, I just, I can't imagine being an Egyptian, going through all this terrible stuff, and... Man, just let them go. I know. Just come on. Please. Exactly. Let them go. Just blows me away. But there was, they, they actually held the um, uh, cattle in high regard, especially bulls. They held in high regard. They have these um, sarcophagus uh, or sarcophagi, I guess would be, because it's multiple, but that are 90 tons, and they would mummify bulls, and they'd put tons of them in these big sarcophagi they're just gigantic and they put a bunch of these mummified bulls and there's a couple places well they believed when they died that that they took all these possessions and things with them to the next life so yeah they needed you know cattle and everything else and servants they'd even kill some of their favorite yeah. servants to go with them well and yeah yeah that's true the the other ones that that did their um when they were they would often do that with the people who built the tombs too they would bury them with uh, alive in the tomb with the with the person who was mummified so i mean it's it's pretty a, a, a dark culture I, i'm pretty glad i'm not part of but well it sure would make you not want to be the boss's favorite no i'd no. be one i'd want to be the worst employee you had <laughs> <laughs> that's a good way of putting it all right well slacker rem- remember again here like I just said, this didn't affect the Israelites. Pharaoh saw that, yet his heart remained stubborn, meaning this wasn't God. God didn't harden his heart yet. It's, he's going to, but so far, it's a free will decision. It's at a this free point. will decision at this point. We got to get to those ten plagues. It's going to be complete. We are going to their Egypt and that judgment against their gods is going to be a complete judgment. And I think that's just super important to to see as we they go will along. Be weighed and measured. And found wanting, like the writing on the wall. Hey, yeah. I, yeah. All right. The the gods of Egypt that were kind of more involved in this, uh, as far as the the Egyptian gods associated with bulls and cows, were Ptah, um, Menevis, Hathor, Amen, and um, Apis was another one that um, I read who was, you know, and... and I'm sure you've heard that song. Some of you've heard that song before. Kid Rock even had that song called "I Am the Bull God." Yeah. So I think you know you see this. Which is, Hathor stands out to me. I remember hearing that name. It, it was that was that comes up uh, a lot. There, I've, there's so many of these articles. Yeah, and they're de- yeah, Hathor is depicted. It's a human face, but with bull horns, isn't it? I think you're right. I, I, I to be honest, I have to look back. But there's once again, you see these, you know these crossovers of people with creatures and and they're they're always deified because they're 
their difference, either their strength or their ability to do, uh, you know, magical things. And it's just one of those things that it, it, until I really looked into, you know, the, the Nephilim thing and, and the rabbit trail that that can take you down when you start looking at, and it um, answers a lot of questions. It, it well, it does. It fills but in puzzle pieces. The mythology pieces. and and stuff that you see, you you hear stories of, of the minotaurs, minotaurs, yeah. or centaurs, or all these half creatures. And there's that. I want to say it was the. It's in. It's a. It's a Sumerian stone that has a description of. Um, I can't remember the actual name of it. We're going off the top of my head here, but it, 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 the whole tablet is a description of uh, a king being coronated and all the gifts that were brought to him. And all these gifts that were brought, they on this tablet they have on leashes like lions with people's heads and 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 these weird mix and match creatures that they're showing are being brought to this king, and you know people who who don't maybe believe in the whole Nephilim type thing or things of that nature think that's symbolic and there I, I who's to say to be 100% that there isn't some um, symbolism in there but at the same time if you're reading something and everything's literal why would you all of a sudden just symbolize one thing that's in there right so that's that's where we are there but uh going on the next plague was the boils. And this is, this is like what I said, where we, uh, we see the uh, Egyptian priests again. But we're going to go to nine. Actually, we don't see them, and that's the whole point. But I'll, I'll, I'll say that in a second. I'm going to go to Exodus 9, 8. Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Take handfuls of soot from the brick kiln and have Moses toss it into the air while Pharaoh watches. The ashes will spread like fine dust over the whole land of Egypt, causing festering boils to break out on the people and animals. So they took soot from a brick kiln and went and stood before Pharaoh. As Pharaoh watched, Moses threw soot into the air and boils broke out on people and animals alike. Even the magicians were unable to stand before Moses because the boils had broken out on them and all the Egyptians. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, just as the Lord had predicted to Moses. Pharaoh refused to listen. So now we're looking at the point. We've gotten to that point where... Free will has now been taken. Free free will has now been taken. This needs to happen. You made your bed, now you have to lie in it. All ten plagues are are coming. They're going to happen one way or another. So... We just we have a we have a uh, a guest we that just walked in a stray that just walked in, didn't think he was going to be able to be here today. Oh yeah, hey guys, so uh, a stray I see, <laughs> that's that's nice, like a little cat. <laughs> no one will ever confuse you with a little cat, buddy. No. A stray bear maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Anyhow, yeah, we've been doing a lot of stuff, so continue there, sir. Better late than never. Oh yeah. All right, so we're moving on to the, uh, the the gods that were judged with the boils. We're talking about uh, Sekhmet, who was the Egyptian goddess of epidemics. Serapis and Imhotep were both Egyptian gods of healing. Very important to... Is that the same Imhotep from the Mummy movie? I, no. He was a pretty he wasn't, wicked dude. Well, I, and that's the thing is, I don't know how, how uh, to be honest, I don't know how accurate... <laughs> That movie we can't trust was. Hollywood? I, I know. I, I'm pretty sure Brendan Fraser is a hero. I just don't know if he was an Egyptian hero. Um, I'm pretty sure Hollywood has it British all down. They know exactly what they're doing. Something to that effect. <laughs> it's but, all uh, truth. It's all. Sarcasm. All right, moving on to the hail, which is our next plague. Once again, we're going to get to 10. God, God needs it to be 10. God wants it to be 10. If it's going to be complete, this is going to happen. So Exodus 9, 20 through 26. Some Pharaoh's officials were afraid because of what the Lord had said. They quickly brought their servants and livestock in from the fields. But those who paid no attention to the word of God left theirs out in the open. Then the Lord said to Moses, lift your hand towards the sky so hail may fall on the people, the livestock and the plants throughout the land of Egypt. 
Moses lifted his staff towards the sky, and the Lord sent thunder and hail and lightning flashed towards the earth. The Lord sent a tremendous hailstorm against the land of Egypt. Never in history of Egypt had there ever been a storm like that, with such devastating hail and continuous lightning. It left all of Egypt in ruins. The hail struck down everything in the open field, people, animals, and plants alike. Even the trees were destroyed. The only place without hail was the region of Goshen, where the people of Israel lived. So I went a little past the verse I said I was going to stop at. But important to see the whole picture and the whole story, seeing that God once again spared his people, but he's bringing that plague upon Egypt. And, and, the, and the crazy part is, if you look at it, once again showing, showing that this is not just a plague on Egypt's people, they let them know. They listened. And some people listened and went and took their animals in and everything because they were scared because they'd seen what God had done. So God was giving them a chance. Well, the Egyptians were just caught in the crossfire. They, they were. I mean, they they were I mean, they were breaking commandments. Well, well yeah, I mean, they, they weren't commandments yet. but Well, obviously, they didn't even know Yahweh. They did at this point. You know, this was kind of God's unveiling to them in a way. Yeah. It's like, hey, I'm here and I'm the supreme. <laughs> yeah. Know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, 100%. I, it's just they... You just you can see, and that's why, like I said, it's so important we make that distinction of who was being judged through this. So, the gods once again that were kind of part of this. Nut was the Egyptian sky goddess. Isis and Set were Egyptian uh, agricultural deities, and Shu, the Egyptian god of the atmosphere. So, once again, you're looking at it, it talks about complete destruction. So. All the animals that were out there destroyed, you know. All the plants, uh, all the all the, the the fields, like we talked about with the Nile. Anything that that Nile water didn't kill, this was killing it. <laughs> and one thing too, I think gets overlooked is, uh, you know, when we read where there was the famine and Joseph, you know, uh, stockpiled grain and stuff and saved, you know, the land of Canaan, basically the the known world. Everybody came to Egypt, right? Mm-hmm. Well, when all the Israelites and the people of Canaan came down to stay there during the famine. A lot of them stayed. You know, and history has found out that the, 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 that group of people were known as the Hyksos. You know, so they ended up staying there and uh, ruled like the upper part of Egypt. And, of course, the Egyptians was not proud of that. You know, and that's why you find so many, you know, stone tablets and... Uh, just all the documentation chiseled away. They tried to erase that part of history because of, of foreigners came in, pretty much took over. And in my opinion, and you know, a lot of scholars, you know, share this that that's the whole reason why they were enslaved, because it's kind of like uh, uh, Adolf Hitler done with the Jews was scared to death that they were going to take over, so and you know, tried to enslave them and eradicate them. Uh, but when they came, they brought their god with them, Baal who was a storm god of fertility god because he brought the storms the rain brought the the crops but when they met the egyptian people their storm god was set so basically that they they blended the two gods together and you hear about the, this deity called baal set and that's what it was it was the canaanite people's god baal storm god fertility god blended with the egyptian god set so i mean this this hail you know, basically was, was an act of war against Baal Set. Mm. I yeah, that's, it's, you could, we could go just keep going and keep going. And if we went down the complete list of these deities, they'd fall in these categories oh, at yeah. some point or another, because it, like, like we said in the beginning, God is judging all the gods of Egypt. Yeah. Now, yeah, I just do that in for the no, segue way when we get to the Red Sea. Oh, no, makes sense. It's it just blows me away each time. Every, when I was reading through some of this stuff, it just jumps it jumps off the page at you. So um, next plague was the locust, Exodus ten twelve. Ten twelve. Then the Lord said to Moses, Raise your hand over the land of Egypt to bring on the locusts. Let them cover the land and devour every plant that survived the hailstorm. So we are gonna make sure those crops are gone, first of all. But we're going to jump back down and say, 
right here. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart again. This is 10 verse 20. The Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart again, so he refused to let the people go. This is to make sure we come to completion, like we said. So we're going on now. The god Serapia was the Egyptian deity protector from locusts. Um, also, Osiris was the god of the crops and fertility. And Set was the god of storms and disorder. So every one of these plagues is hitting multiple gods in that whole pantheon, too. And we have to... The other way you think about this is... And we talked a little bit about this before, and I think it was... Um, you said Gilbert. I think it was Gilbert that said it the the best way is that that um, go ahead say how you, you were saying that. Oh, he said uh, if you take a hand, yeah, a hand has got five fingers, but if you put a different finger puppet on each one, and each one's a different costume, different puppet, but it's the same hand controlling all five fingers. So basically, each god could take on multiple different. Um, uh, named deities personas that you know they're being the god of the the bull today they're being the god of fertility tomorrow and you know it just it's it's just showing that um there there was probably a lot of different names for each deity especially regionally but overall there was a lot of different names for each deity uh as they executed different functions uh moving on to uh darkness which this is one of the this is a, a a dig against one of the most popular gods of Egypt when you talk about it. You always hear about the Ra or Amon Ra. Oh you know, yeah. Men many cultures, you know, worship the sun. Mm-hmm. You know. It was that was a big thing throughout the world. So let's go into ten twenty one. Then the Lord said to Moses, Lift your hands toward the heaven, and the land of Egypt will be covered with a darkness so thick you can feel it. So Moses lifted his hand to the sky, and a deep darkness covered the entire land of Egypt for three days. And this part I find really interesting. Like, really, it, it, it you, I don't, have you ever been in a cave? You ever been in a cave? You ever been on one of those yeah. little trips? You get down there, and you literally put your hand in front of your face, and you can't see it. I mean, you're that close. It's that dark. Scuba diving at night. Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> but It's, uh, it's freaky. I, yeah, I'm good. But it says right there, during all that, this is verse 23, 1023, during all that time, the people could not see each other and no one moved. There was light as usual where the people of Israel lived. So think about, I mean, think about that. How could you get one? I mean, it, it's obviously only can be God, but there's one section of land where it's so dark. People don't move for three days because they're worried about running into things. Don't know where they're going. There might be a crocodile outside their door. They don't know. Well, just think about it also. They would try to light something. Let me light my torch. But and then even though it's lit, it's still dark. That would be freaky. Either like that said, or they could diving. I don't, you know, you well, don't that know. too. But scuba, yeah, you're right. Scuba diving only went once Complete. in the dark. <laughs> nope. Never doing that, ever. But uh, like I said, important to understand that the Amon Ra... Um, the god of the sun, as far as Egypt goes, really one of the, the head deity. Uh, Pharaoh was actually thought to be the son of Amun-Ra, which is a, a kind of an important distinction. So you see, because Pharaoh was always deified as well. And, um, well, and Pharaoh's... They, didn't they even believe that uh, the head god of their pantheon um, basically possessed the Pharaoh and lived through him like a conduit and he ruled through the pharaoh that i don't know i've heard something like that um and that's the whole reason for the phallus you know the uh, uh the obelisks it represented uh osiris's male uh organ organ because the way it went like him you know i'm paraphrasing but like him and his brother i can't remember who it was uh had a, a rival killed him cut Osiris up and spread his body parts all over. Well, then his wife, Isis, goes and recovers all the body pieces and sews him back together. But the only piece she couldn't find was the phallus. So she made the stone obelisk instead. So that's why you have so many obelisks. You know, that's what it represents, the phallus. Mm -hmm. And they would uh, put it like in front of these domed temples 
and that was uh, to represent the womb of Isis. So uh, when they would elect or select, they didn't elect, but when they selected a new pharaoh or king, they'd have this whole big ceremony and bring him inside of the uh, domed building, which was the womb of Isis. And when the sun would pass by, the shadow of the phallus would enter uh, the domed temple, the womb. So the phallus going inside the womb. And then once the ceremony was over with, the king would come out or the pharaoh would come out. So therefore, procreation, Mm -hmm. the deity of Osiris was now in dwelling in the the new ruler it was like this whole I think it was sex right thing i think it was called copulation i think is what you were looking copulation, for copulation <laughs> baby <laughs> but the important i mean and that that's a that's pretty amazing history but when you talk about it it's important to understand pharaoh was deified he was looked at as as you know the man the, well the ultimate controller of egypt he was he was deified. He was over. He was the son of of Amun Ra, you know, or whatever at this time. So, the um, last plague, and we're going to read about this. It's the death of the firstborn. But we're going to go into uh, Exodus uh, twelve twenty nine, and we're going to we'll talk a little bit about this. But this because this is a very important day um, for the Israelites. It's something that's still uh, obviously. Uh, Celebrated today, a very huge um, religious holiday. But we're going to start Passover. Passover, yep. The first Passover. On that night, I will pass through the land of Egypt and strike down every firstborn son and firstborn male animal in the land of Egypt. I will execute judgment against all the gods of Egypt. There all the it what? is. Gods. Lowercase g. For I am the Lord. But the Lord, but I'm sorry, but the blood on your doorposts will serve as a sign marking the house where you are staying. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. This plague of the death will not touch you when I strike the land of Egypt. And then it goes on to talk about this will be a day to remember, which is why we're why Passover is celebrated. And obviously, it was a huge day uh, for Israel, and, and, and this is where we uh, get to that point when it says God will um, execute judgment on all the gods of Egypt. Once and this again, this was also a foreshadowing of Jesus Christ. You know, the uh, the firstborn son, mm-hmm. well, in God's case, only begotten son. It says that you know the angel of death will pass over. So the, the blood from the, the lamb, which they put on the doorpost, you know, it says that, you know, it's a, it was a mark. And, you know, if you go back to our study on the, the mark of God and the mark of the beast, commonly was a tav. And a tav was a cross. You know, when you go back to the, the original written language, uh, they call it uh, heliopictograph or something like that, and it was a cross. So, you know, it's pretty cool that... God was telling his people the plan even back then. But, of course, hindsight's always twenty twenty. But imagine these people taking, you know, the blood of the lamb and putting a tav, which is a cross, on their doorpost and the angel of death passing over them, which was foreshadowing of, of Jesus Christ and how his blood covers us today pretty cool that's an awesome concept a way to think about that and to just i'm once every time you look at at something god does you see that it's 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 just it it blows you away because his comprehension his his the way that he works things in the way that he shows himself and then all of a sudden you turn around and then he showed you from a different angle then you turn around he shows you from a different angle and you can see it and you can see it in everything and that just it blows me away um but this right here was this plague right here was um so this is the the last round of the fight this last round this is the knockout punch this okay. is the, this is the ko it's a straight up there's not a tko this is the ko so there ain't gonna be no scorecard no here. we don't got to go to the judges we're good but uh this plague was judgment on every one of the gods of Egypt, including Pharaoh, who was considered deified. And also, 
in, in, in Egyptian culture, Pharaoh's firstborn son would also have been deified. They would have considered him God as well. And that firstborn, obviously Pharaoh lost that night as well. Um, but at that point, that's when the, the people of Israel, when Pharaoh said, just get out of here, get out of here. He let him go for a period of time, for a short period of time. And, um, and we're going to get into that. Hold on. I'm not quite done yet. We're going to get into that in a, in a couple of minutes here. But um, I think it's important to understand why some of these plagues happen. A, a few things, and, and we're going to get into a whole bunch more. But um, it shows, first of all, shows God's faithfulness to his people through his covenant to Abraham, thinking that he's bringing them back. He took his people back. And if we look further and we get back into... Um, we get into Deuteronomy 32, which is, you know, that's our lifeblood when it comes to this podcast, is it, it shows that God, taking Israel as his own, right? This is this God's allotment when we talk about the dividing of the principalities of the, around the earth, that God kept Israel for himself. And, and this is yep. him showing that covenant. And something I discovered uh, looking into the Red Sea crossing, there's a, a peekaboo of that. Really? There's a place he takes them to, and there's so much symbolism that if you don't have the eyes to see it, it, it goes right over your head. And when I saw it, it was like, boom. Deuteronomy 32, the regathering of the nations, and, and Eden returning. All right. I'm excited. Uh, remember also, the ten plagues important, because we're showing that ten is a complete number. They were totally plagued. This is God complete showing. T-K-O. Com- no, just K-O. It's not technical. Oh, no technical. No. no this guy is out. He's, they're out cold. They're done. It's the judgment. Uh, uh, I showed you that, and I put that video up on our uh, Facebook there. Uh, Heiser kind of getting into a couple things about it, and I just, he, he, he's just, I wish I could speak as well as that guy. My gosh, is he good. He just is, he's so on point. But if you want to watch that, I got there's a snippet of it on our page, but I'm on sure our Facebook community, yeah. On our Facebook community If you community ain't in page, on that, you're missing out a lot. You got to get on there. Yeah, just look us up on Facebook community, the the Dig Bible Podcast. Uh, if you go to, you know, it's facebook.com backslash groups, uh, the Dig 423. We also have contests and giveaways. Uh, we just had a giveaway uh, this past week. Uh, Carrie won a uh, T-shirt and sticker pack. Congratulations, Carrie. Congrats. I'm sure we'll be doing more of those here pretty oh, soon. Oh, yeah. So be on the lookout. Um, last couple things I wanted to go over. Uh, remember these multiple plagues and are just reoccurring examples of how great God's power was. God was giving the Egyptian people a demonstration, not only um, showing, once again, taking Israel back for himself, turning them away from their false gods, but also showing these Egyptian people who God was. He was giving them a chance to, you know, to, to follow after the one true God. It was, this was not it's so important. It was not a war against the people of Egypt. This is a war against the, the deities that were ruling over them at that time, the ones that they were worshiping, uh, obviously incorrectly. But these deities could do amazing things, and that's how, that's how these people always ended up falling away. Different people would fall away. They'd follow after these because we talked about it just a little bit ago. They're, they're the, the show me. You know, it's like I can show you something miraculous. Boom, right now. God, a little more judicial, takes his time, plays his, you know, he puts his, his full house down. Flex, yeah. He puts his full house down just the right time to make it a little more dramatic, to really prove a point, drive it home. He's just, he just is amazing how he does it. all goes back, that. too, to Psalms 82, you know, the, the judgment of oh, the gods, you know, how long will you rule unjustly? You know, you, you, you desire to live the eternal life, but you will, you will be judged and fall like any prince. You know, he ain't talking about human rulers. I mean, yeah. obviously, that's a big duh moment. If I'm human, duh, I'm going to die. Yeah, he ain't talking to humans. Yes. He's talking to these, these uh, lowercase g gods in Deuteronomy 32. So kind of to sum it up, I think it's important. You know, the plagues have happened. You know, obviously, God has won this round, no doubt about it. But uh, kind of to sum it up, I just thought uh, Exodus... 914 I think this is a good verse to kind of close on here 
If you don't, I will send more plagues on you and your officials and your people. Then you will know that there is no one like me in all the earth. And I think on that note, we'll see you next time. Keep digging. We thank you for listening to the Dig Bible Podcast. Questions, comments, or future episode ideas, we'd love to hear from you at thedig423 at gmail.com. If you enjoy our content, don't forget to share, subscribe, and check out our Facebook group at The Dig Podcast. Remember, you can't lean on a shovel and pray for a hole. you got to dig. <laughs>